The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Well, hello everyone. This is Dr. Doug Birch, and you're listening to the Fairly Spiritual Show. So, what's a good principle to live by? The Ten Commandments? The Golden Rule? What are the principles that should motivate our lives? You know, love your neighbor as yourself? These are all great things, but they're not enough. The best commandments are even not enough. What is the distinguishing reality that should distinguish us Christians from the rest of the people on the face of the earth? Well, here's a hint. It's not principles. It's the presence of God. On today's Fairly Spiritual Show. the show. I am Dr. Doug Birch, and this is the Fairly Spiritual Show. We come to you on Fridays, Sunday as a rebroadcast, and there is always the podcast as well. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud or I don't know, there's some other forms as well. Uh, just go to fairlyspiritual.org to start that journey. Um, by the way, uh, four weeks ago, I said we needed to raise $7,000 to stay on the air for the next year. And I've raised $500, so it doesn't look like we're going to stay on the air for the rest of the year. Uh, so today, it's the last week of me raising funds for that. Uh, besides, you know, my weekly, hey, could you donate a little? So we're like 6500 short of our total. So if you want to keep the show on the air uh, for the rest of the year, for the next 12 months, um, then that's what we need. You can go to fairlyspiritual.org and donate. And I'm just going to make a decision based on what's been donated, how much longer we're going to stay on the air, and we'll probably be on for maybe a couple more months. Uh, but that's okay. We'll just kind of follow. Regardless, I'll still keep doing the podcast and doing the show in that form. Uh, but today's show, uh, I'm going to focus in on the presence of God. Oh, by the way, what I just said there, I, I might change my mind in that first I will pray. I'll see what happened. I'll see what money comes in, and then I will pray. Because uh, today's show is about what motivates my life, and ultimately, I think what's supposed to motivate all of our lives, those of us who call upon the name of Jesus. In fact, it should motivate all of our lives, whether or not we call upon the name of Jesus. This is ultimately what our life is supposed to be like in our relationship with our Creator. Uh, today, I want to talk about the presence of God. And uh, one of the things that I often like to ask students in classes I teach or when I guest speak at churches, and by the way, if you ever need a guest speaker, I love coming in and speaking at churches, uh, but one of the things I'll ask a church is, you know, what distinguishes us believers from the rest of the people on the face of the earth? You know, what, what makes us different? What distinguishes us? And people will give, you know, many different answers. Well, we'll love uh, the, the gospel, uh, maybe even the Ten Commandments. You know, sometimes people say uh, the reason the world's falling apart is we don't, you know, have the Ten Commandments in our uh, schools or in our court systems. You know, what what distinguishes us from the rest of the people on the face of the earth? Well, it's interesting that that answer has already been given, and it was given even before Christ came. Now, all of Scripture, all of existence points to Jesus Christ, but uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, the followers of God already understood what distinguished them from the rest of the people on the face of the earth. 
And they didn't say that it was the law. They didn't say that it was the Ten Commandments. Uh, they didn't say it was their traditions, their rituals, the temple. Uh, they didn't say that it was the Sabbath. Uh, they gave very specific, um, a very specific answer of what distinguished them from the rest of the people on the face of the earth. And I want to I want to go to this because this is a, a theme verse in my life, Exodus thirty three, and this is where uh, Moses is arguing with God. These wonderful interactions where the Bible shows us how a leader contends for the people he's leading, and how he intercedes on behalf of the people before God. And uh, there, there's, there's constantly this break in, in trust as far as the people betray their promises to God. And there's Moses standing before God, you know, arguing or pleading or, or saying in some way, you know, I, 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 know, I know we haven't done what we said we're going to do, but basically, if I were going to summarize, we need your grace. We need you. We, we, we just, please don't leave us. We, we need it. We need you. And here's one of those moments where <clears throat> Moses does something where he's like, I, I, don't, I, I don't want your rituals. I don't want your systems and structures and laws and rules and regulations. I don't want even your signs and wonders and your ministering angels. I want you. I want your presence. And so here it is in Exodus 33:11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So Moses would meet in this tent of meetings and meet with God. Uh, at some level, he would meet face to face with God. It's a mystery of how he did this, because there's other times where God goes in front of Moses, and, and Moses can't even, you know, barely even stand being in front of his glory. But there's an aspect of where Moses is in front of God, like, like in front of the burning bush or in front of the glory of God in the tent of meetings. And when he would leave there, a Joshua would go in there. And this is in verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. So this journey we're going to take, you know, out of bondage in Egypt into the promised land. He says, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you... If I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways, that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And God said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Let me read that again. This is what was God's answer to Moses. Moses is like, you, you keep saying I found favor with you, but you're not telling me who's going to go with me. And, and God understands what Moses is asking here before Moses even says it. Moses is pleading like, I don't want to go forward without your presence. And we see this later in the dialogue, but Moses answers immediately, or God immediately answers Moses' question. But God says, my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Which he's also answering Moses' turmoil. Moses is full of anxiety. He's overwhelmed by the task ahead. This is an impossible task, and you're telling me what you're going to do, but I can't do this on my own. I don't need a ministering angel. I don't need signs and wonders. I need your presence. And even in needing your presence, Moses can't ask this because he might think it's too selfish, but he's also pleading, I need peace. I need rest. I can't do this. This thing is going to destroy me. And God says, 
my presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. Now look at this response. Then Moses said to God, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how can they be, excuse me, for how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? He says basically, I don't want to go. I don't. I don't want to go into this promised land without you. I don't want any miracles. I don't want any signs. I don't want any wonders. I don't want any prosperity. There is no promised land without your presence. Your presence is what distinguishes us from the rest of the people on the face of the earth. Your presence is our promised land, and we see that with Moses. That Moses is ultimately someone who is pointing towards our relationship with Jesus. Uh, through the Holy Spirit. Because we know Moses is not even allowed to enter the promised land, right? He's disciplined and, and everyone's allowed to enter, but he's not. But he still leads the people of Israel. Why does he still lead them? Because he long ago gave up in the sense of the promised land was not his promised land. It was important. But what was more important to him was and is the presence of God. He's like, I don't want to go anywhere. Your presence is what gives me life. It is your presence and your presence alone. It is your glory. It is your presence that distinguishes us from the rest of the people on the face of the earth. That's how they know. That's how everybody else knows that we have found favor in your sight. That's our authority. That's the authority by which we do anything, is that we are people of God's presence. The implications of this are so powerful. It's basically, don't, don't go do anything unless you have God's presence with you. Now, this is Old Testament. This isn't even New Testament, what Christ has done through the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes people, you know, talk about, you know, once the Bible was formed, we just kind of are people of the book, and we read the book, and we do the principles of the book, and, and, you know, we live a good Christian life. But we understand that even before Pentecost, that the children of Israel and the leaders of Israel understood that it is the presence of God in their midst that distinguished them from the rest of the people on the face of the earth. Now, if you look at Pentecost, Pentecost is such a powerful thing because, and a lot of people don't know this, and I've taught on this before, and it's in my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church, uh, my chapter on Pentecost. But why did why was the Holy Spirit poured out on the day of Pentecost, right? Uh, Jesus said, wait, before you go do anything, before you go do any of the ministry, before you do any of the signs and wonders, before you preach the gospel, uh, before you do any tent meetings, I want you to wait so that you're clothed with power from on high. Why did they wait? Why were they supposed to wait? Well, some people say, you know, you're supposed to wait a long time so your heart gets ready and prepared, and then they're filled with the Holy Spirit. But they waited for the day of Pentecost. And Pentecost was a specific celebration. And in the church calendar, they would celebrate Passover. And Passover was a celebration of being led out of bondage, right? When the children of Israel in Egypt, they were in bondage. There was the Passover. Uh, the angel of death passed over uh, the firstborn. Um, the, so they were kept alive. The, you know, they were led out of Egypt, set free, put, brought out into the wilderness. Well, then on Pentecost, they would celebrate this, that once they were in the wilderness, they didn't know how to live. Now that they were out of Egypt, 
They were still struggling with, well, how do we live? How do we abide together? We no longer want to live as slaves, but how do we live as free people? So on Pentecost, they would celebrate the giving of the law. They'd celebrate where Moses uh, received the law from God. So on, on Pentecost, and in Acts 2, you know, when they're gathered together and, and they're celebrating the Pentecost, before the Holy Spirit is poured out, they're celebrating the giving of the law. They're reading scriptures about the giving of the law. And you can see the correlation here. What happened uh, on Passover? Well, Passover is freedom from bondage. Uh, what happens on Pentecost? Well, Pentecost is how you live, and you live based on the law. Well, that's the Old Testament. Well, what happens in the New Testament? What happened at Passover? Well, that's Jesus Christ dying for our sins, rising from the grave. So our Passover is now what? It's Easter. It's our salvation. It's freedom from bondage. We are freed from bondage. When did our Passover occur? It's at the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we are freed from bondage. That's our Passover. But we are led out of bondage into this wilderness. But when we're in the wilderness, we don't know how to live. And so we're told to wait, wait. And when we wait, we wait for our Pentecost. Well, what is our Pentecost? Our Pentecost is not to do the laws and the rules and the regulations. Our Pentecost is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So on that day, when they are waiting, the Spirit is poured out on that day. And you can see the disciples understood the correlation immediately. They said, oh, this is the day where we celebrated the giving of the law. But now the Holy Spirit is given out. So we see clearly that the Holy Spirit is a replacement for the law. Jesus died once and for all for all sins. We are no longer under the law. We're no longer under judgment. We now live based on relationship and the leading of the Holy Spirit. If you want more details of that, you can read that in my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church of a Reluct uh, from a Reluctant Pastor. You can get that at Amazon.com or at my website, Fairly Spiritual. I go into it much more detail. I just don't have time for it today. But this is a powerful principle. The reality is, as Christians, we don't live based on laws, rules, principles, and regulations. Now, the Spirit will point to the good principles of Scripture. The Spirit will confirm you know, the, the good commandments. The, the Scripture doesn't co contradict, you know, love your neighbor. The Holy Spirit doesn't say something contradictory to the good principles of Scripture. But we don't live based on principles and laws and regulations. We live based on relationship. What distinguishes us from the rest of the people on the face of the earth is not principles. It's not even the scripture. It's the presence of God. The scripture was formed because it's God-breathed. It was breathed by the Holy Spirit, but it only takes life in us because we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the spirit within us is able to interpret the scripture as we read the scripture. Well, why do I bring this up? This is... in incredibly crucial for anyone right now, because right now everyone listening has a problem somewhere. You do something. Just you, you got a problem. You got a relational problem. You got a personal problem. You got something going on. And you can decide to live according to the law or according to the Spirit. You can say what defines me is principles. What defines me is systems and structures and things I've said and other people have said. Or you can say what defines you is the presence of God. And when the presence of God defines you, you don't make your next step based on principles, laws, rules, regulations. You make your next step based on the leading of the Holy Spirit. So think about whatever that problem is. Maybe you left the house today angry at your spouse. Maybe rightfully angry. 
you you said something like, you know, I'm just sick of this. I, you, know, you just don't show me the love and respect that I want. And they don't. And you you have a list of things they haven't done, and it's a legitimate list. I'm not list. I'm not trying to downplay that list. It's a legitimate list. And you could make your next decision based on that list, on those laws, on those principles. Or you can say, you know, what defines me is not lists and principles and laws, but it's the presence of God. And you can find a way to spend some time with God and to let God speak to you. No, not, not to let me speak to you and manipulate you, not to let somebody else, but to let God speak to you. And some people don't want to hear that. Like right now, I bet you there's some people just turn the radio off or turn the podcast off is they don't want to hear that. They don't want that option. I'm not telling you what to do in the sense of God might give you a direction that's very different than what I think you should do. But we serve a resurrected Savior, and God has a specific plan for your life. And we are not led according to the flesh, so we're not led according to our desires, our emotions. We're not led according to laws and principles and regulations. We're led according to the Spirit. For me, this is incredibly important because, I, you know, when I get stuck, my wife and I are fighting about something and I'm so caught in my emotions, I'm so angry and frustrated and I got all these principles of things she should have done and what she did wrong. And I'm sorry if, if this bothers you, me saying this, you know, this might make me a lousy person, but this is how I get into a fight. I just get upset and, and you know, I've told you this before and you're still doing it and that's just enough and I'm just unhappy and I start making my decisions of how much love I'm giving, whether I'm going to smile whether I'm going to you know, turn in a different direction, not based on the leading of God, but based on laws and principles, based on our history, based on what she said or I said or what she didn't say or what I didn't say. But then I have to come to this place. What distinguishes me from the rest of the people on the face of the earth? It's the presence of God. And I have to submit my will. I have to say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And when I do that, when I stop and I say, God, what do you want me to do? I find that God has a different way. And honestly, it's often the way I don't want to take. It's often a way where God is like, Doug, you have to stop. Doug, I want you to love. I want you to apologize. I want you to embrace there's times where, I, I, where I'm upset at someone and angry and I feel validated in my anger and justified and all the principles of why I can stay angry and all the principles of why I can withhold my love. And, and then I will stop and I will make room for the presence of God. And then I realize I, I, I can't do that. I must show love. I must show grace. I must show kindness. We serve a resurrected presence. We serve the resurrected presence of Christ and Christ is in the room. Like some of you, you've made decisions. You made decisions out of your anger. You made decisions out of your principles. And, and you can do that. You've found people to justify it. Like that's one thing with social media. You can find people to justify your decisions. You can say, well, this principle was, val you know, was harmed and this is what I believe and this is what they believed. And, and you made all those decisions based on these principles, but you did not make them based on the presence of God. You didn't make it based on that. Because there's something about God where God does extravagant things, ridiculous things, gracious things that are beyond anything we could ever understand. 
He's done them for us, and he'll do them through us. But each of us are called to either make room for ourselves or make room for the presence of God. What's so hard to preach about this is, if at all you think it's coming from me, it's no longer about God's presence. Well, Doug told me to forgive, so i got to forgive. No, it doesn't work that way. Forgiveness, if it doesn't flow from God, it's, it's not from God. It has to be where you're before the Lord, and the Lord shows you, 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 you must forgive. It has to be where you're before the Lord, and the Lord says, I, I want you to embrace that person. And you can say, I, but there's no reason to. I can't, I can't find a justification, but you know the Holy Spirit says embrace that person, so you embrace that person. And, and what's your reason? Your reason is you abide with the resurrected presence of Jesus, and you are called to embrace that person. I have people talk to me about churches that they're involved in, and they'll say, like, I don't know, you know, this, I, I don't know if I want to be in this church, and there's this problem, and that problem, and and I really, I can give advice, I can say, yeah, I think that's a problem, and that's an issue, but I'm not someone's lawgiver. I ultimately have to tell them, you have to pray and decide whether you are called to be there. You know, Jesus said, no one takes away my life, but I lay it down. Now, you have to decide that. Am I in an environment where God is calling me to lay down my life for a purpose? Then you do that based on God's calling. Again, that could be a terrible principle. Well, I'm supposed to lay down my life because that's what a good Christian does. No, that's legalism. You don't just, well, lay down your life because that's what a good Christian does. No, that's legalism. But if you're before the Lord and the Lord says, no, I've called you to bless this difficult leader, then you continue to bless that difficult leader. The Lord could also say, I want you to flee from that difficult leader. Then you flee. Both of those things could happen. For even your own mental health, we don't know. There's some people where, you know, for you, for your own boundaries, you need to flee. You need to leave. And the Lord's saying, you know what? You need to resign from that position. You need to quit pastoring that church. You need to do something else. It's okay. You have permission. But the Lord is saying to others, you need to stay. You need to stick it out. I've called you to be there. Both of those can be leadings from the Holy Spirit. I remember being in seminary, and I was in a class, and we were talking about the presence of God and how close God is and how His will is so close to us. And I do believe God's will is close to us. And I remember asking the professor, and he was kind of a difficult professor, kind of a grumpy guy, uh, and I remember asking him, you know, how do you know God's leading and God's voice for your life? And he said, well, it's not like you have an angel on one shoulder and a demon on the other, and they have equal say in your life. God is bigger and greater. God is close to you. And if you've been in godly fellowship, and you've been reading the word and close to God, then God is close to you. And it's probably the first thing that comes to your mind. That's God's will. And I began to cry in class because I realized that God was telling me what to do, but I was afraid to embrace it. God was calling me to radical things, but I was afraid to do them. I was afraid to pursue the presence of God and to respond to God's leading. I think some of us are afraid of that. You're afraid to be silent because you know what the Lord's going to call you to do. He's going to call you to repent, to apologize, to lay down your anger, to love. He's going to call you back into community. I want to encourage you 
to understand this reality that Moses knew that the only thing that distinguishes us from the rest of the people on the face of the earth is the presence of God. It'd be terrible to wrap our lives around principles, laws, regulations, and rules. You know, some people go from conservative principles to progressive principles, from legalistic principles to non-legalistic principles, but they skip the most important thing, which is relationship. It is the presence of God that distinguishes us from the rest of the people on the face of the earth. You can find people to justify any of your behaviors, but they're not going to be standing with you at the judgment seat. It's just you and God. Why not just stand before God right now and listen to his voice and make room for his presence and follow his leading? Let his presence distinguish you from the rest of the people on the face of the earth. Thanks for listening. Hey, if you want to keep this show on the air for the next 12 months, we need 6,500 to come in. Otherwise, this will just be a podcast. Uh, You can donate by going to fairlyspiritual.org. That's fairlyspiritual.org. If you'd like to text the show, it's 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. As for me, I'm going to follow the presence of the Lord wherever he leads me. I ask that you would join me as well. Okay, I will see you next time. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.